Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome one and all to Storybox, the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning, growth, anyone to improve your life. My name is Jay Phantom and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I am truly grateful that you have decided to listen in today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. It's a big week for the Storybox podcast. If you haven't listened to my interview with Matthew McConaughey yet, make sure that you do. It's available on any podcast platform. Just search up Matthew McConaughey and the Storybox podcast and you'll be able to find that episode. I had a lot of fun doing it. But today I thought I would release another famous actor, someone that I have admired uh, from all of, all of her movies and I guarantee you're going to love this person you've definitely heard her in some movies because she has a very iconic voice very deep very husky but it, it grips you and her presence in movies it really keeps you hooked so my next guest for you guys today is none other than Sheree Agdashalu now you've probably seen her in Star Trek Beyond The Expanse which is a, a hit tv show now on Amazon Prime House of Sand and Fog, The Promise, Last Night, Percy Jackson. She played a, a, a voicing role in that one. The Lake House with famous Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, X-Men The Last Stand, and many, many more movies and TV shows that I could mention, but for sake of time, I won't. She is also an Oscar nominee and Emmy Award-winning actress, which is another incredible uh added feat to her ever-growing list of accomplishments that this incredible woman does. She's an activist too. Her story is unreal. She's also written a best-selling book titled The Alley of Love and Yellow Jasmines. And I highly encourage you to get that book as well because it is a deep dive into her life. And my goodness, if, if you guys don't feel like you should get the book after listening to this episode, of what this incredible woman went through, then far out. <laughs> but trust me, this woman's story will keep you gripped, hooked. It did for me. She has a lot of advice, a lot of wisdom, and she's lived a lot um, and given back so much. She is such a kind, humble spirit with um, an immense uh cheerfulness about life you could say and she just has a, a, a real passion for helping people um, and it was a real honor to actually speak to Sheree we had a fun conversation that I know you guys are going to love but so if you do get something from it share it around to your friends and family please don't forget to uh, leave a rating and review over on Apple podcast it goes a long way in building this incredible community I'm grateful for each and every one of you that continue show up each and every week and i hope you guys are enjoying the conversations that are being had being shared on the story box you guys know what time it is right now it's time to dive into the story box and listen to the incredible story of sheree agdashlu more and more people are now tuning in they're finding out that we kept saying this is such a timely and relative tv series but because of its title, science fiction, people are afraid to watch it. 
uh, and we encourage people to watch it and make them sure that it's not as complicated or not as shallow as other science fiction stories that you have seen before. So just just try it out. Mm. And now more and more people are joining in and they are uh, all collectively saying that you guys are right. It is like today's world. It is timely. Do you look at the ratings much at all or you just look at what people are actually saying, like the actual audience? I read everything. Mm. I read every uh, comment as much as I can. When I'm, I do live tweets. I do get uh, uh, involved with our fans. I love the interaction with our fans because, again, when when it's uh, the interview is done uh, in a video, uh, shape of video, people can see you, can relate to you. Same thing with our fans. When we uh, interact with them, they realize that. Uh, as much as they like the show, uh, we, we have them, we like them even more for watching the show and for giving us the opportunity to uh, carry on with the show. And in fact, uh, twice the show was saved by its fans. By its fans. First time was three, on its third uh, anniversary when NBC uh, decided that they were no longer going with the show and we were almost cancelled. We got uh, calling each other, telling each other, oh my God, young, especially young people on the show, they were, they were really uh, afraid of losing the show. I, I'm, I'm the eldest one of them all, so I kept telling them, you know what, according to my experience in life, when a chapter is closed, the other chapter opens up. So let's, uh, let's look forward to the future. Uh, but uh, finally, I received a text message along with a picture of a plane carrying a message, save the expanse, it said. I called friends. I said, I know we're not doing this. Who is doing this? They said, fans. They put their pennies, dollars together, send the balloon up and got us Amazon. And I always make a little joke about this, that... Uh, they send it to the Amazon's headquarter purposefully and had it go around the Amazon's headquarter for Mr. Bessus to see it and say, what, this show is going to be canceled? No way, I want to see the rest of it. Hello, Alcon, I want to see the rest of the show. And that was it, we were on Amazon. And I was, I cannot even tell you how happy I was when we shifted into Amazon because I kept thinking, this show is one of the most inclusive uh, shows of, of all the shows that I've ever been a part of or I have watched or, or the existing ones. So, and it's about the people of the world. It's not about a certain nation or <clears throat> why can it not be told to the people of the world? Mm. When we went to the Amazon, I didn't have to tape the shows and send it to my mother in Iran or send it to my brother in the UK or have my cousins wait for it in Italy. Now we all watch it simultaneously, the whole world. Now I get messages from Iran. A young man your age is telling me, why do I feel that I am in Eris? And I said, no, 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 no. You're on Eris and we are going to see each other very soon. So it is now global as it had to be from day one, but I guess, uh, everything that we do uh, needs to progress. And this is what, what happened to the show rightfully because it deserved it. Mm. I think, I think you can, you're right. It really did deserve not to stop. It deserved to keep on going. Yeah. And I'm glad that it did <laughs> because it is a great show. Something funny I have to tell you. Really interesting. Day one, when they took us... Uh, and for a tour, before we start season one, they took us for a tour of the set. I looked at the shuttle and they had us walk two by two. I was with Wes Chatter, one of my favorite actors of all times. So we're both walking and I'm looking at the shuttles and I'm looking, I mean, everything is manual. Usually, you know, they leave these things for CGI, but these are all manual, practical. And then I looked at the wardrobes and I, and I, I turned to Wes and I said, minimum of five or six years. 
he's looking at me and we don't even know each other that well. And he goes, excuse me? I said, they are saying that it's only for one year, but in my opinion, in my belief, minimum of five to six years. Mm. My, my God. Wes is still saying it. He imitates my accent minimum of five or six years. <laughs> How did you know? I said to him, after working for 48 years, when I look at a, when I read a story or when I look at the set uh, or the location, uh, it, I, it, it feels like this is a story that wants to be told. This story wanted to be told and didn't want to stop, wanted to finish the story. Mm. And, and, and it's, it's happening against Mother Nature's negation, <laughs> against uh, all the odds, you know. It's, it's happening. Yeah. We are on our last season now. We are, we are telling the story till the end, till the end of novel six. So season six will be the complete finish. Yes. No more after that. Well, let me tell you something. I told you <laughs> again. I'm just going, tell me, tell me. Like, Wes, why do I have a feeling this is not the end? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, well, in show business, they say nothing is ever the end. Like you can, there's yeah. endless creative possibilities, endless roads that you can go down. Uh, so I don't think any sort of film, unless a studio decides, hey, I'm going to say no, then yeah. you keep on going. Like, I think it's also, uh, I think, what show was I watching recently that they went for eight or nine seasons and they only thought that it get to two. So, like, it had this massive fan base and just kept on going. Like, yeah. Because they, they loved it. So, and even, even the cast members, they just kept on coming back because... They love the experience and it became like this family for them. Yeah. So I hope it does keep going, not, not just for, for your sake, but also for the audience that absolutely loves the show. And because yeah. it's, it's one of those shows, uh, and for me, when I watch a show, I normally stop at like season two because it gets very repetitive after that, like with yeah. plots and, and themes and everything. But then... What I've noticed for this one is I'm up to season three at the moment and I love it. Like I am, I'm ingrained with the characters, the plots, the message, everything about it. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm hooked. So, <laughs> so and, and, that's, and that's partly uh, for you as well, Sheree, because um, I'm a bit of a fan of you and your work, if I can say that. Um, guys, <laughs> sorry. You just made my day. Thank oh. you. <laughs> You're more than welcome. Like you, you may, like when I saw you in um, the lighthouse, uh, the lake house, sorry, the lake house with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. I mean, you had, you had a smaller role, but you still stood out to me. And I'm, I'm like, okay, where else have I seen this lady before? And then X-Men and then... Mm like so many other movies and even more recently Star Trek Beyond as well. Yes. I just turned to my dad and I said, I love that lady's like charisma and her voice as well. It just, it stood out. <laughs> and I'm, I didn't even know back then when I saw it, that one day I'd actually get the opportunity to speak to you. So I'm, it's, I'm so happy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, this is, um, this is going to be a fun conversation. We've already, we've already, had a very enriching time together um and the first question or more or less like the other question that i want to ask you uh Sheree, is you you've had all this a uh, great achievement in in your in your career you could say but what i'm curious about is what does success look like to you success means uh <clears throat> arriving at the point that you have aimed for. Say, I want to become an actor and I have to do something for it, right? I um, start uh, looking up for an audition. I'll go to the audition. I do the audition. I come home and I'm waiting for the answer. They call me and they tell me, you've been accepted. Would you like to come in and sort everything out? 
That, that is success, arriving at the point that I have aimed for. When was the moment for you that you realized that this was success for you? Has it been this gradual thing over time that you've arrived at these specific points in your life that you've realized, oh, that's success for me? Or is there this catalyst moment somewhere in your life? Uh, you take accounts of your successful moments in life. So when you get to my age, you won't become a grumpy old woman. You're like, because you're taking accounts of your, of your successful moments. And it's not just once or twice. For example, I was successful in leaving Iran, driving myself to the UK going from Tehran to Istanbul, to Yugoslavia, back then it was Yugoslavia, to Venice, south of France, Paris, Calais, Calais, London, selling my car, my jewelry, going to university, start studying uh, international relations, political science. When I sat on that chair at the university, in my first class, started listening to the professor who was trying to teach us, I felt ever so successful that I cannot even tell you how happy I was. And I kept, I, I still remember that day. I kept moving because I was 27 years old then. I, I had not been to school for almost uh, uh, eight years. Uh, I got my diploma when I was 18 years old. So uh, it, was, it was hard. I was an adult, really, uh, starting the university. When I was listening to it, it was one of the happiest moments in my life. And that happiness was derived from the fact that I felt successful. It was hard when I was in Iran. My, I, I, I kept crying and talking to my dog, Pasha, a German shepherd, mm -hmm. smarter than I was. We would sit in front of each other. I would, I would look at his eyes and his uh, proud ears and I would say, Pasha, I have to leave. I cannot take you with me. The destination is unknown. Mm. And tomorrow, is, is, God knows what happens tomorrow. Forgive me if I have to leave you behind, but you're going to stay with my mother-in-law and, uh, you know, the good, nice family. I don't want to take you through this trip because I don't know what, what's going to happen to me. It started like this. And then going through the... Uh, revolutionary roads of Iran, being uh, uh, thrown, you know, they thrown uh, stones at your car and stuff. They, they broke my uh, window, uh, the back window, you know, and a shield. And finally get yourself to Turkey, and still you feel like, oh my God, I'm running away from the revolution. All this with just $700 in your pocket. What? So imagine, when I sold my car, when I sold my jewelries, I knew when I sold my jewelries, I took all of them except for a couple of them that I had sentimental values for. When, when the guy, he made me wait for like an hour, the jeweler, looking at everything, clothes, and finally, he gave me a price that was one-tenth of the real price of the jewelries, but I couldn't care less. I remember myself. I pushed all the jewelries. He pushed them towards me and he said, this is how much I pay. And if you leave my shop and come back again, I won't pay you the same. And pushed it in front of me. One glance, I turned around, pushed them towards him, and I said, give me the check. And I was dancing, you know, tiptoeing to the bank. I couldn't care less. I just wanted to study. I wanted to understand what was happening in Iran and why a revolution all of a sudden. And, and get myself educated and learn the language. So uh, that first day, which I'm still, uh, you know, uh, remember, which I still remember, because I, uh, I put it in my, uh, into my successful account that my first success. I'm sitting here against all odds and I'm getting myself educated. No matter what. That is an incredible story. <laughs> it, it sounds like you've come from great, I guess you could say, great trouble and you've made something of yourself. Like it's incredible to hear that. Um, I had no idea about that. 
<laughs> but, um, speaking I, went of, the first, I went to the first demonstration in Iran, the first democratically drawn uh, demonstration, uh, pro uh, Mr. Bakhtiar, the prime minister at the time, at the Baristan Square, which when Tahrir Square in Egypt, when everybody started gathering at Tahrir Square, it reminded me a lot of Baristan Square, where we saw our first democratical uh, uh, rally. Uh, demonstrations. We were stoned by the fanatics standing on the uh, pavements. My head broke and I, it took 12 stitches. So I knew there was no place for an outspoken young actress like myself in that country. I had to get out, get myself educated. So I could not only help myself, but also my people and further, whoever I can. What made you want to be a political activist in that kind of way in your country? What took place in Iran? Mm. Overnight, the whole country was turned back for almost uh, a thousand years. It was, say, we're in the 20th century, it was turned back into the 1300s. All those revolutionary nights, where the electricity was gone after eight. We could, you could hear people on the roofs uh, calling for God, Akbar. Those revolutionary nights were the most scariest time of my life, thinking, what is happening to my country? What is happening to Tehran? Tehran used to be the Paris in the Middle East. What is happening? I, I have a feeling that if, People like myself, my generation, was not so politically illiterate. We would have not left Baharistan Square. Mm. Just like the youngsters in Egypt who did not left Tahrir Square for a couple of days until they got what they asked. Mm. Were there any moments during that period that you did think that you might actually die because of what was going on? Many times. There was shooting on the streets. I never forget this. Uh, it was uh, like 1 p.m. Uh, I stopped by the light. I heard uh, bullets. I looked around hurriedly to see if it's aiming me because I could hear. I saw two young men. One is telling the other. Uh, bend your head down, bend your head down. They're shooting. Hassan, Hassan, bend your head. It was like, like, the, like a joke. Mm. Go home, young man. They're shooting you. Oh, my God. When a couple of house down there gets invaded and all the people are out and you know, they're, they're beating them to death. Mm. That is a revolution. How old were you when that was all taking place? If you don't mind Sorry? Me, how old were you when that was all taking place, if you don't mind me asking? 27, 26, 27. Wow. And so yeah. you decided to escape all that mm-hmm. by getting in your car with $700 in your pocket. You sold all your jewelry yeah. and you traveled out of the yeah. country. Did you know? where you wanted to go? Did you have like a, a plan later? Yes. My aunt was in London. Yep. And I had traveled. Thank God for my mother. God rest her soul. She was an avid reader and she was uh, in love with Western uh, <laughs> literature. Uh, imagine, I'm seven years old. It's all about Daphne, Charlotte, Emily, Bronte's sisters, <clears throat> Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice. She loved Western uh, literature. She traveled to Europe when I was a child. But when I was 16 years old, she took me. She started taking me with her. So I had traveled to London a lot. I had stayed with my aunt in the summers. My aunt lived in London. So my mother called me and said, if you ever decide to leave, your aunt is saying that she would love to have you. Mm. And that, that, that's all I needed to hear. Did you ever want to bring your, your family over with you? like? I did. Yeah. I did. I brought my three brothers out. It was difficult. First one uh, is really a genius. Uh, it didn't take me long. 
to get him a uh, acceptance from Oxford University. Uh, he wanted to study his PhD at Oxford, and wow. his uh, grades were above uh, normal. Uh, they were all A straight, so went straight into uh, Oxford. The second one, unfortunately, had some problems, uh, was jailed, and then we got him out. The third one, yes, again, I had some problems getting him out, but I got all of them out. One is a doctor in San Diego, no? the other one is an architect in London, and the third one is an IT in Hallelujah. My goodness, and you are a movie star. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a humble actress. <laughs> you are, you are very humble. And I want, I want to ask you, was it before you left your country of Iran that you wanted to be an actor? Did you know what you're going to do when you left your country when you, and you moved to, to England? Oh, yes. <clears throat> I was already a successful actress by then. Ah. I tell you what happened. When I was five or six years old, I was, uh, I loved to imitate people. I would look at people and then immediately would like imitate them. <clears throat> and I would show it to your mom, to my mom and say, mommy, mommy, auntie, auntie acts like this. And she goes, shh, don't look at me. the family found out that I, would, that I had this talent. So, and we have, we are, we are a large family. So every time on Fridays, equivalent of Sundays, we used to get together, either at my aunt's house, uh, homes, or our, our home. After lunch, when everybody was content with, with, uh, with their food and the drink, they would say, now let's bring Shore in, and she would imitate us. And I would go in, stand in the middle of the room, and start uh, doing my uncle, my aunt, my And I was doing such a great job to the point that my uncle called my mom and said, please ask Shore not to do me anymore. <laughs> he had this bad habit of picking his nose, but he made sure that no one was looking and then he would go for it. But I had caught him, so he didn't like the idea. But it started like that, but I had no idea that I was an actor. I was born an actor. So I was 16 years old. We were in the Caspian Sea, staying with my uncle uh, and his daughters, six daughters. Uh, in a ranch, very much like Pride and Prejudice, you know, the girls. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and uh, my uncle took us to see a movie. Guess what it was? Gone with the Wind. I was 16 years old. <laughs> and you were hooked from that moment on. It's like, I, I need to be, I need to make this my career from, from then on. So did you go to, like in Iran, did you go to acting school at all to become trained? I turned to my mother in the interval and I said, this is it. I am going to be an actress. She said, not under our roof. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. First, you have to get yourself educated. Mm. Okay. So I started studying. And when I was 18 years old, uh, three or four months prior to uh, getting my diploma, uh, I met with a gentleman at a party uh, who had just uh, got, gotten back from Europe. And he started talking, and I noticed, my God, he's an intellectual. My God, he knows so much. He's, he's got this European-Iranian behavior, which I love the combination of them both. It's like... And I started dating him, and he asked for my hand. And I was very, very straightforward with him, as I am always. I don't like to beat about the bush. When he asked for my hand, I said, I want to be an actress. And he goes, hmm, I don't see anything wrong with that. So I married him. One week after, one of his friends said, Oh, by the way, I know Shorey likes to become, a, uh, become an actress. Uh, City Theatre is now um, auditioning for, for a role in a play called The Narrow, the Narrow, uh, the Narrow Road to the Deep North. The Narrow Road to the Deep North by Edward Bond. They're looking for the lead actress if she would like to do an audition. And I went for an audition and 
after the audition, they asked me to wait. And I, I told myself, I was waiting for like 10 minutes. In that 10 minutes, which felt like 10 years, I kept telling myself, woman, get yourself out of here. You're no good. That's why they're not coming. They, they, they're waiting for you to leave so they don't have to tell you to leave. And while querying with myself, the head of the drama workshop that was doing the audition and came to me and said, my, my dear, who are you? You're amazing. Can you start next week? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yes. And he's like, okay, good. Then we start next week. And we can give you 700 tonnes per month. 700 tonnes was like $700 then. And I'm like, the money is no objection. I don't care about the money. And he goes, but young lady, you should. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's acting. I want to act. It's acting. Acting is important to me. I flew out. Flying home, all of a sudden I remembered, oh my God, I'm not a single person. I'm married. I should have asked him first. Hmm. I got home, hurriedly, opened the door, got it. He was standing in the middle of the room. He looked at me. He saw me and he said, what is the matter with you? And I'm like, hmm. I didn't dare to say anything. And he said, hmm, they want to start early? I said, because the poor man has already uh, mapped out our honeymoon in Egypt, uh, Casablanca, Morocco, and Geneva, having a taste of a modern world uh, in our, uh, on our way back. He had already mapped them out. He got our tickets and everything. He said, they postponed. They, they want to start earlier. And he goes, it's okay, sorry. Honeymoon can be postponed. But Edward Bond cannot be posted. Yes. Wow. This this is um I'm loving these stories. These these are incredible. Um one one question that I did want to ask you from, from your response there is waiting and nerves. Do you find that you still get nervous when you go do you do auditions today and in those audition processes and actually acting, do you find that you still get nervous in the process? Uh, tell you the truth, um, had I not sat on the other side of the table, perhaps I would have still been uh, getting nervous or something. But I would love to share this with your audience, especially actors. Uh, the fact that uh, when we go to an audition, we're either it or we're not. Mm -hmm. It's not personal. It's not about me, sure, when they say, no, thank you. It's about it. Uh, what happened was when I was uh, uh, offered the role for Nadi uh, in the House of Sand and Fog, they have already casted the young boy that was supposed to play my son. But according to some problems with him traveling on his own or whatever, they had to start casting a new one. So this one went back uh, to the East Coast where he lived and they, we had to cast a new one. The director told me, do you mind sitting next to me, auditioning him? You, you read uh, the mother's line so he feels comfortable with you. He doesn't have to read with me. So the director, Vadim Perman and I are sitting on this side of the table. And uh, the uh, 32 uh, young men who came for audition started coming in, sitting on the chair on the other side of the table. They were doing, more or less, were doing a good job. Until the very last one, what happened? He poked his head in. The door was a bit open. And Vadim and I were talking about the one that we had auditioned before. All of a sudden, he poked his head in and he said, can I come in? We both turned around. I looked at him and I thought, oh my God, he looks like it. Mm. That innocent 14 years old boy, very shy, but very polite, that was described in the script, mm. has poked his head in. May I come in? We both said, come in. He sat down, but he told him, you know what? Um, 
uh, he, your father is a general, of course. He's got, uh, he's very law-abiding. He's got his own rules and regulations, and you have to listen to him. Sometimes, he he just you know may may raise a hand, but obviously you're afraid. But he's not going to hit you. And, and then we started the audition. Seconds we are going into it. I'm reading with him, and I'm feeling like, my God, his name is Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan, it's it. And then uh, uh, Vadim raised his hand and he goes. <laughs> Second later, I tell him something and he's listening. He's listening to me. And oh my God, the audition ends. Now his mother, Jonathan's mother, pokes her head in. Hello, they're Iranians. Soon as she sees me, she goes, I'm still this, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine, thank you so much. She says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And she leaves. So we asked Jonathan to leave. Vadim and I are looking at each other in awe of him. Vadim says, which one? I said, are you kidding me? Jonathan. He goes, why? I said, first of all, you and I know he is it. Second of all, he was listening. Terrible. Did you see his reaction? Just raise your hand and he went. And he said, that's who I have in mind as well. I just wanted to see what you say. I thought you're a friend of his mother. I said, no, I'm a well-known person in the Iranian community. His mother knew all of me. We don't know each other. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, pull nepotism here. The guy is it. Mm. And he got the role. So having said all that, what have you noticed in your opinion over the years separates a mere good actor from the great actor in your opinion? Oh, what a great question. I thank you for asking this question, honestly. Very easy. What is the difference between a bad job and a good job? Actually, let me elaborate on this. What is the difference between a bad job medium job, good job, perfect job. Mm. The only difference is details, 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 details. Yes. If you show me a fully dimensional character with all its details, mm. I am going to invest myself in your acting. Like, one of the best examples of this year's acting for me is Juliana, who's portraying Margaret Thatcher mm. in The Crown, season four. I, I cannot even tell you how much I enjoy her acting, even her neck movement. This actor must have studied Margaret Thatcher, and I can tell because I'm a Margaret Thatcher fan. Mm -hmm. I was at the university when Margaret Thatcher was giving her first inauguration. And I heard this time bit and I'm like, my God, there's a revolution in the UK as well. No, they were all going to the canteen to hear her out. And she started with, they call me an iron lady. I am an iron lady. Tighten your belts. We're going to change Britain for good. So I'm a Tasha fan. When I see an actor who's done such an amazing job in bringing all the details of this character on the screen and to me, I swear to God, I am more than willing to bow to her and give her my Emmy. <laughs> if they're not going to give her an Emmy, I will give her my Emmy because she's done an incredible job. Details, details, details. Don't you think that because you're running the lines, you're doing a great job? No. I think that's a great answer to the question. My goodness, I did not expect that. <laughs> I've spoken to a lot of actors and I, I personally, I am, uh, or I do filmmaking. I used to do it um, mm. as I was growing up. That's all I wanted to be. And I worked with my first ever actors uh, probably about 2017 uh, with mm. my, my, my movie. And it was a very unique experience because I had never worked with proper actors before. And the experience of that was watching them read the script and them asking me so many intricate little details about that character. And I was like, oh, I don't have that kind of answer for you. <laughs> but they wanted to really go deeper into 
okay, who is this character? What are they like? What what are their their uh, their motives for doing this sort of thing? And I was like, oh, okay, let me have a, a deeper think about that and get back to you. But I think you're completely right. And all the actors that I've seen on the screen, even for you, uh, Sheree, whenever I've seen you portray a character, whether or not you're in a supporting role or you're actually in the lead, you always you always shine out. And I always, I'm, I'm the sort of person that sits there and I watch for people that do things very differently. They actually shine above the rest. And you caught my eye very early on, <laughs> actually. And I was like, she's different. And it's the way, it's your charisma, I call it, on, on screen. The way you portray the character is it shines out, like it, it draws you in. You feel more connected to that character as you're watching the movie play on. I think story is number one, but also secondly, how an actor actually enhances the character to also enhance the story along the way. And I think you're brilliant at that. So I just want to say thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for saying that. Thank you. Absolutely. And, and, and some actors go as far as uh, uh, Sarah Anthony Perkins. They travel. Uh, I'm sure you've heard, seen the interview with him about uh, uh, what was it that the, the movie um, Cannibal that you went like Science <laughs> uh, oh, um, of the Lambs. Exactly, Silence of the Lambs. And they asked him how he came up with this idea. And he said, for every film he travels, for every role he travels, and he searched for his character. And he was sitting in a, a restaurant and he noticed that a man is eating like this. <laughs> so he thought, that's perfect. And uh, he does that. But what I do, I make resumes for my character. What I do, I write down a uh, background for my character. Like, for, as, as a matter of fact, for Nadi, was, she was born in Isfahan, in this ancient city, uh, um, raised uh, an innocent girl, was married to this general, blah, 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 blah. And then I would put it in page one. Page two, I started gathering, uh, cutting pictures from magazines. This is her bedroom. This is her wardrobe. This is the kind of clothes that she would wear. This is what uh, kind of perfume or cologne that she would wear. And I take it with me to work. House of Sign and Fog, I'm going through this, the director comes in and says, what is this? I said, not his resume. She, he goes through this and I said, Cologne, Burberry, sorry, Burberry. I said, yes, she wears Burberry. And he goes, why? I said, she's a square. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it depends on how much you're willing to work on your character. Mm. Details, details, details. The more details, obviously, the better outcome. Yeah. I mean, Look at that yeah. neck movement of Margaret Thatcher. That mm. neck movement. Oh. Mm. I, th I think you just you hit the nail on the head. You said it perfectly, especially with one of my all-time favorite actors, too, with Sir Anthony Hopkins and his roles. Like, Silence of the Land blew me away because of the, the dynamic chemistry he had, not just with... Um, his character, but also with Jodie Foster's character as well. It was just perfect, <laughs> if I can say that. Um, I'm glad you mentioned this. You know why? Because that's another part of a good acting, mm. interacting. Mm. Sir Hopkins is a true actor. Therefore, he knows that interacting is a must. And that's why actors or so-called actors who dash in with their entourage, perform and leave with their entourage, make me to believe that they do not understand what acting means fully. Mm -hmm. Acting means interacting. If you miss that part or you snub that part, then obviously you're not going to shine. Mm -hmm. It's in the interacting that the characters start showing us their dimensional, they become fully dimensional. We can get into the depths. If you play your violin and I play my violin, then there is no collaboration here. Then why are we telling the story together? Exactly. Yeah, acting for God's sake. Mm. Have you ever found it a challenge, uh, I guess, being in a supportive role that you sort of want to outshine the main in any way? 
I, I, I am a um, trained actor and I'm, I'm very respectful towards uh, my colleagues. Mm. I never try to steal scene from them. But I, I can't tell you because which, one, which film it was because the actor is very well known. And sometimes it happens. The actor was supposed to open the door. I was behind him uh, uh, looking at the person who's calling us. And uh, the director said, oh, my gosh, oh, my God, Shora's eyes are shining. And the actor went to him and said, do you mind not having her opening the door with me? And the director came to me and said, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I referred to her eyes and now this is uncomfortable. I said, that's, that's good. I don't mind. I don't mind. And it's okay. It's okay. We have to be respectful towards each other towards each other's feelings, sentiments. So it was okay. I didn't have to be with him opening the door. I think you are a very humble individual, especially in the, the world of Hollywood where, you know, I guess the, from, from the perspective of someone here in Sydney, Australia, they can see the stars, you know, stardom and like they're kind of like idols in a way, like... It's you, all see all sorts of, you see all sorts of actors there. Yeah. You see celebrities, you see stars, you see uh, actors who are born actors, you see trained actors, you see performers uh, who, uh, who love to be actors. They're not actors, but they're great performers. So there are all sorts of actors. Mm. Yeah. Uh what has been for you the most challenging role to not only prepare for, but actually portray on screen, do you think? The most challenging? Mm -hmm. This morning, sorry, I am, because it was based on a true story. When I got to the stoning, when, when the shooting got to the stoning point, uh, usually uh, they, they throw these stonings in a cul-de-sac. So the person cannot run away. Soon as we got closer to the location, I saw the cul-de-sac, I saw the hole, I saw the people, youngsters, waiting with stones in their hands. I couldn't. I'm usually very professional, but in this case, I couldn't help myself. I started crying. I sat on the ground and I was like, crying my heart out. The director came and said, you need time. I said, no, no, let, let it be my real reaction, Zara's reaction, because I can't help myself. I'm going to cry. Even if you stop me now, I'm going to start again, because I know that this took place in my country. And I'm not only embarrassed, ashamed, but also this, this vengeance, this hate in me is killing me. So I, I can't stop. Where do we go on? And we, we, we did. Uh, but we thought it's going to get, uh, it's going to take only three days to finish, but it took five days to finish. And we were all worried because we were in a village in Jordan uh, with Muslim people, you know, we were, we were Muslim too, but because it was based on, you know, uh, Muslim people stoning a woman, we were afraid. So, uh, every night when I been, went back to the hotel, we had a nice, uh, resort, we were staying at a nice resort hotel, and I had a beautiful room. Every night I went to the room, to my room, and took a shower and went to bed. The moment I felt like I'm going to sleep, I would have this dream of me coming in with sand in my nostrils, going to take a shower. I opened the bathroom, and there was an infant dead floating in the uh, top. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I, I would wake myself up, <laughs> sweating. I'm like, I was, oh my God, oh my God, what was this? Five nights under. This, the stoning scene was finished. We went back to Amman to shoot the rest. The dream was gone. I didn't know what was happening. Years later, when I told the psychologist as to what happened to me, she said, the character was pregnant, wasn't she? And I'm like, oh my God, of course. The woman who was a stone was pregnant. 
It was the baby, the infant of hers. And I saw him like dead, floating in the top. It was very hard. It was very hard. Yeah, it, it honestly does really sound like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so um, to wrap this up really nicely, I usually have one final question. It's very, very quick. Um, but just imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. And they've shown it to you on your hundredth birthday. Don't ask me how they got all the stuff, by the way, it will call it magic. Um, but they've shown it to you on your hundredth birthday. What do you want that film to say in the show about your life? that I tried my best mm. to make this world a better place and make myself a better person. And I do apologize if I hurt anyone uh, unpurposefully, not purposefully. I hope I haven't hurt anyone. That's beautiful. And I just hope that I didn't hurt anyone purposefully. That's it. That's I, all. Yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. I, I would yeah. I'll definitely watch that movie. Sheree, yeah. I wish we had so much more time because I have a lot more questions for you, but thank you so much for the amount of time that you've given me today. Really enjoy this conversation. Me too. Enjoyed it so much. Thank you so much for taking up your time, having this conversation with me. I would love to talk to you again, so we can we can do it when when we are closer to season six. I don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Fansom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.